Hello everyone, and welcome to Lifeline. My name is Sage Breed. I'm glad that we have an opportunity to sit down, talk together. I'm excited. Before we continue, let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. God, we thank you that you're worthy. We thank you that you're holy. Thank you, Father God, for giving us our daily bread. We thank you that your will will be done between my friend and I in today's conversation. Lord, forgive us of our sin. Lord, we repent. We turn back to you, even of things that we don't see as a big deal. We forgive those who have sinned against us. <sighs> Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all, today, we're going to talk about emotions. We're going to talk about the beauty of them. We're going to talk about the difficulty of them. We're going to just talk about why we even have them. And something I just want to highlight, right, is that I am proud of you for even deciding to sit down and have this conversation, right? Because a lot of people just look over it like emotions. I don't want I don't care about that stuff. Or emotions, like I don't even want to deal with that. But the very fact that you're here is a testament to how much you have grown, how much you desire to grow, and how much you will grow. I'm proud of you. So let's talk emotions. Perhaps when you hear emotions, maybe you even think of the little child that's at the store throwing a tantrum and the parents are just trying to give them anything that they can find to try and quell the child. Maybe when you hear emotions, you think of a parent or guardian who was not very controlled in their emotions and perhaps they took their emotions out on you. Maybe when you hear emotions, you get excited. You feel a sense of joy, of warmth, because it's like, man, I love my emotions because I get to feel things. Maybe it's all of them. Maybe it's none of them. When I was younger, I used to go through a lot of different traumatic experiences to the point where I decided it was better to be numb than to feel anything at all. Like, because I would be in so much pain, I decided I don't even want to feel happiness. So I won't feel anything at all. And there was a whole year I went without talking. Whole year I went without smiling. Seventh grade, I remember it very vividly. And it was with these different thoughts that it really challenged me because I grew very apathetic. Right? And psychology tells us that a child tends to do that based on the traumatic experiences. And the body will try to protect itself through different things. And so my emotions became very intense. Emotions aren't a bad thing. They're just indicators letting you know, hey, like, this is going on inside of you. And it's not a slight on my parents or my loved ones or my friends. Like, you couldn't tell I was hurting. But instead, it's just being like, hey, man, I was hurting. And where you were then, you're not today. It's just a fact. So maybe when you think about your emotions, you're thinking about all the positions that you found yourself in. Maybe you don't get as excited as the other people around you and you wonder if something's wrong with you. 
Maybe you get too excited, a little too amped up, and people are constantly asking you to chill out. That sounds discouraging, to be honest, and I'm sorry if that's you. Maybe you don't really feel anything, like you're just like, nah. I want to encourage you to embrace your emotions or at least continue the process of learning to embrace your emotions because if we're unable to feel anything, then we can't feel safe. If we're unable to feel anything, then we can't even feel God because we can't feel anything to be numb. Our emotions are very complex and they're also extremely simple. That's something that I really love about them. And I remember I used to hear people tell me all the time, God doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't care about your happiness. And I was like, then why should I care about his? <laughs> right? If I'm just being honest. I was like, if God doesn't care about my happiness, he doesn't want me to be happy, then the heck am I doing any of this stuff for? I want to encourage you and even free you of that lie. God does care about your happiness. Now, also understand, he cares more about your obedience than your happiness, and he cares deeply about your happiness. That's why he gives us joy, because joy is so much more powerful than happiness. Joy supersedes any emotion we could ever potentially feel. That's how much he cares about your happiness is that he created something that's even more powerful, even more intense, even more wonderful than happiness will ever be. And this is really where I want us to kind of delve into the idea that our God feels emotions. We see it all the time through the Old Testament. Perhaps one of the places we see it the most is in Genesis. The second place I'll say that we see it is really in the Numbers Deuteronomy era. Like the Pentateuch is where we see it. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible, the law. But Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus are like, bam, God's emotions. And then we really see it in the Gospels. Because now we have God personified in the flesh. And we get to see him walk among his creation, his people, the ones whom he loves. And we get to see how he expresses his emotion. I want us to turn our attention over to John chapter 11, I believe. I already have it marked. So I'm going to be able to flip right there. But I also just want you to prepare yourself, embrace yourself. Um, it is a bit of a long verse. So just thank you for your patience. Uh, we are going to read it. But I want to give you some context. Jesus, his close friend, I believe it's a family member, very sick. And his friends come up to him saying, Jesus, like, this person is very sick. You can heal them. Jesus is like, yeah, I can. Well, then heal them right now. And he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll be there soon. Okay. Yeah, don't worry. Okay, Jesus, like we trust you that he's going to be better. All right. So they're going. And Jesus' disciples turn to him. And they go, hey, like, 
we sure are taking a long time. And he's like, yeah, no, don't don't worry about it. It says here, you know, the sickness is not going to cause him to die, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified. And they were like, right, so uh, aren't we going to go heal him? And Jesus goes, well, don't, don't worry about that because our friend, he's falling asleep. I'm going just so I can wake him up. And his disciples were like, oh, okay, yeah, he, yeah, he's asleep, I guess. I don't know why we need to go wake him up, but yeah, sure. So, they go. I'm reading this as, as we're walking through, okay? And when they finally get there, the people come up to him. They're like, dude, I thought you said you were going to heal. I thought you cared about our friend. I thought you cared about your friend. You could have healed him. And Jesus is like, I do care. I care about him. I care about you. I love him. And so when their friends are telling Jesus, like, bro, you really jacked this up, dude. Like, if you would have been here, he he wouldn't have died. Right? And perhaps that's even some things that we tell God. God, if you had just done something, then this wouldn't have happened. God, I told you how much I cared about this. And you didn't do anything. God, if you had just done something, then maybe something would have been done. And this is where Jesus goes. Where did you put the body? John eleven thirty five. This is where we want to go. Jesus wept. That's the verse. When I read this... At first, I was like, oh, yeah, Jesus wept, you know, he was sad. But it's so much deeper than that. I was talking to a friend yesterday and we were laughing how uh, (laughs) Christians will come up to this verse and be like, oh, it's just so much deeper. It's just so much deeper. But I believe the character and the person of God is really shown and highlighted in these two words. The very fact that it's the smallest verse in the Bible is potential for it to be one of the most powerful. Jesus wept. What is this even saying? It's highlighting one, God has emotions. And he feels them so strongly to the point that he's crying. Now, it's Jewish custom and tradition of this time that when people cry, not every time, obviously, but when they grieve, they bottle and collect their tears. It says that in Psalms, where David cries out to God and he says, God, I know you collect my tears. And so in the Jewish tradition going forward, they started bottling the tears and they would pour it on the altar. But it's one of these things where it's like, not only does God have emotion, not only does he feel them, but he has felt to the point where it physically moves him to do something. It physically moves him. He felt an emotion so strong, he cried. The other time that we see Jesus crying is when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, crying so profusely, the Bible equates his tears to be as thick as blood. We're just going to rest right here for right now. 
Because while people are coming up to Jesus, Martha specifically is like, dude, I told you how important this was. I told you the severity of it. All I did was ask you to come and you took your time. Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Perhaps you found yourself in that same position. God, I told you how much I needed this job. God, I told you how much I I needed my family to be healed. God, I told you this. God, I told you how sad I was, how depressed I was, how angry I was, how suicidal I was. God, I told you. You didn't care. Here we see the compassion of God. He cares so much. He says, where did you put the body? Because I want to go there myself. You don't even have to bring it to me. You don't have to relive that pain. I'll go to it. Just tell me where it is. You don't even have to open up the grave. And so it was one of these things like, obviously, Martha didn't open up the grave. It was the people around them that did. But it's just one of those thoughts of like, Jesus will do it. I think this is one of the most compassionate verses for me because there's been moments like where I feel so much distress, so much anguish, and then God will bless me with something that that just brings me joy. Almost in a way of, well, I believe it is specifically to comfort. That's powerful, man. And, and it, it hits me in such a way that I'm just like, sometimes I'm angry that he does that. Sometimes I'm sad that he does that because I'm like, that's not what I wanted, but I do like it, so thank you. And sometimes I'm just overwhelmed with joy. That I just have to lay on my floor. Another verse that I would like us to turn our attention to is going to be in Psalm 30. This one is is a song. Perhaps you've heard it before. Um, but it's Psalm 30, verses 11 to 12. You have turned my mourning, my crying, my grief, my distress, my distraught. Turn it into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth. So sackcloth in the Jewish tradition is what people put on when they're grieving. Like when somebody dies. You you take off your normal garments and you put on sackcloth. What is sackcloth? It's like those old school potato bags. Right? Uh, maybe some of you remember, but the sackcloth races where you they would literally put you in a potato sack and you would jump, right? That's a sackcloth. People would wear that when they were grieving. And it goes, you turn my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my, my sackcloth and you have clothed me in gladness. You've taken what I covered myself with grief. Instead, you have clothed me with gladness. So he's even saying, you've turned 
my crying into an expression of excitement, of joy, of happiness. You have turned the thing that I use to identify how much I'm so sad with, the distress and the grief that I've been stricken with, and you changed my outward appearance. You changed my inside, you changed my outside. Verse 12, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. So saying, God, because you have literally changed my inside first, you've literally changed my outside next, my soul will sing you praise. I will not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever, forever. Verse 30, or yeah, verse 30 is, verse 30, chapter 30 is an absolute banger. And when, when I think about these things, when I think about the Lord, how he changed me, that's good. God will change you because he cares about you. He cares about the things you care about. This, thank you, God. First Peter 5, 7. I wouldn't even, I literally was not even thinking about this. God just brought it to my mind. Thank you, God. First Peter 5, 7. <sighs> mm. Let's just read it. We're just going to read First Peter 5, 1 through 7, because we, we literally need this context. We literally need this context. Serve God willingly is what it says. Therefore, I will exhort the elders among you. I will lift them up among you as your fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ and partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, not because you have to do these things, but voluntarily, according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Y'all, I'm going to keep it a buck. I don't know what that means. Sordid gain. Let's see. Five, five, two, one forty-seven. Let's act, let's keep reading. I'm gonna distract myself. Okay, verse three. Nor yet as loading lording it over those who have allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, Jesus, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Verse 7, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Another version says, cast all your cares upon him. This even ties back into the Sermon on the Mount. Oh my gosh. Thank you, God. I know that came to y'all's mind. I know that came to y'all's mind. That's why God's putting it on mine. Matthew 5, um, 30. No, I think it's six. Yeah, Matthew six thirty. 
But if God so dresses the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do more for you, you people of little faith? Verse 31, do not be worried or anxious about anything than saying, well, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we clothe ourselves with? For all these things, the Gentiles or those who do not have a relationship with God, they say that they seek these things out. Your heavenly father knows that you need these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, Do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, shoot, let's break this down. Thank you, God. Give me the words. It's highlighting here when we work for the Lord, when he hires us and partners with us to do a job, right? Because that's what we're doing. We don't pray, God, use me. Instead, we pray and we share with God, I'm available if you want to hire me for this job. It's a partnership. And he goes, as you're doing these things, do it voluntarily, not because you have to, which is what he's telling the elders. And then he goes, be humble towards one another. Clothe yourselves with humility, right? We can clothe ourselves with a lot of things, meaning when people see us, that's what they see. People can see when someone's arrogant. People can see when someone's sad, when they're grieving. They can see it. So he's saying, change your clothes. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Thank you, God. Let's actually look up what that word means. 5485. This is New Testament, 5485. Man, I love the fact that y'all are in y'all's book. It makes it so much more fun to talk about the Bible. Because it's like, y'all already know what we're talking about. 5485, okay. Charis. The manner of act, either abstract or concrete. Acceptable, benefit, favor, gift, grace, joy, liberality, pleasure, thankfulness. Grace in reference to the external form or manner, particularly of a person's meaning, gracefulness or elegance, disposition or attitude toward another, favor, goodwill, benevolence. That seems to be the main one. It's favor, benevolence. So he's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you with favor if you're humble. <laughs> humble yourselves, therefore. So it's literally saying when you're, when you're, thank you, God, let me slow down. To be humble is when you get the most blessing. Then he goes, cast all your cares upon him. So it's literally given the juxtaposition, the connection between that when you don't cast your cares on God, you're prideful. Therefore, forfeiting any blessing, any benefit, any favor. He goes, when you do not cast your cares upon me, You're being prideful. When you do not give me your emotions in the sense of, God, I'm feeling this way, and you don't let him take care of you, you're prideful. So then we even get to go look at Matthew 6, really 28 through 33. 
where it's talking about, man, well, these are real thoughts that I'm having. I'm actually concerned about what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What What's going to happen? And God says, I know that you need these things. If I can do it for these flowers, for these birds, I'm going to do so much more for you because you're my child. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. Make your request known to God. This is what it says in Philippians. So even going back to our anchor verse of John, where it says Jesus wept when he lost his friend Lazarus and he died. Like ultimately, Jesus raised him from the dead. But he was still so moved with his emotions. Because it's highlighting, man, we get to see our God, our Savior, our King, our friend, our brother, our parent, our lover, our Jesus, go through the same things that we went through so he would know what it felt like so he can be with us. Not only is he empathetic, meaning he's able to feel our on behalf, he's sympathetic, meaning he's able to put himself there. He's felt it before. When we think about the Lord, sometimes We see ourselves so far removed from this God in heaven that we forget that the Holy Spirit is actually in us. In us. And just as Psalm 30 talks about, you know, God, you took this inner part of me that's been mourning, that's been grieving, this emotion that I've actually been hiding. And you give me an excitement to dance. To be free. Man, okay, there's another one, but I'm going to wait. Okay, no, I'm not. God says, say it now. So when David was worshiping God, it looked foolish. But he was so moved in his emotion, it caused him to praise like never before. So much so that his wife was embarrassed. Because of her pride, her arrogance, her embarrassment, her self-consciousness, she tried to stop somebody else from praising God. When we think about it, we're not David in that scenario more often than not. We're actually like David's wife. Your freedom makes me uncomfortable, so be like me. No, I don't like that you have more joy than I do. You need to be sad. Stop praising God like that. It makes me feel bad. No, it embarrasses me because what are people going to say? Because I'm connected to you. But instead, let us throw off every restraint and say, God, I'm going to feel my emotions to the fullest extent because you gave them to me so I can connect with you. (laughs) Because our emotions, they tell us what we're needing. That's the purpose of emotion. Emotion isn't necessarily there to make you feel one way or another, but instead it's an indication. The same way when you get hungry, what is that telling you? Your body needs food. When you have to go use the restroom, what does that tell you? Your body needs to release. When you get sleepy or you get a really bad headache, your body needs rest or you're very thirsty. So with these thoughts, it's important to get in tune with our emotions because that way we can really go to the Lord and say, God, you said cast all my cares upon you. 
I'm feeling like this. So I think I need this right now. Matthew 6, 632. Your heavenly father knows that you need these things. He knows. He knows that you need them. So ask. You have not because you ask not. This is in James. When you ask, you don't receive because you're asking for selfish motives, selfish gain. You don't receive because you really don't believe. So, concurrently pray for faith. Ask for more faith. When we have issues dealing with our emotions, when we have an issue dealing with other people's emotions, is really highlighting to us the growth that we need to do. It's highlighting to us the growth work that we need to do. If your emotions make me feel uncomfortable, they make me feel some type of way, it's actually my problem. Like one, you do need self-control. And that does not mean I get to react to you any type of way. Therefore, it allows me to say, okay, God, I'm feeling annoyed, which is an emotion. What am I needing? Well, I'm needing peace. God, give me peace. I'm needing grace for this person. God, give me grace. I'm needing clarity of thought. Why is this person acting like an idiot? Are they stupid? Okay, God, give me compassion. Because we cannot be curious and annoyed at the same time. So, be curious. Be curious about the very people that you just get so frustrated with. Because there's a reason. Nobody's crazy when you're close enough. People are only crazy from a distance because we don't understand them. So when we take the time to understand, why is this person acting like that? Why is this person speaking like this? What emotions are they feeling and what desire are they trying to fulfill? I may not agree, but now I do understand. And that's really the point. The Bible says in Proverbs, with all you're getting, get an understanding. Get an understanding. Understand why you're feeling these emotions. Understand why God gave them to you. Understand what you're supposed to do with them. Your emotions have a purpose. Everything that we have, everything that we desire, it has a purpose. So do something. And I personally, I think that's the challenge. Right? So I have a question for you. When you think of emotions, what comes to your mind? But like, so what I mean by that, when you think of emotions, what comes to your mind? Like, when you think about the emotions that you feel, what does that make you think about? You know, does it give you a memory? Does it like remind you of a picture does it does it literally put another sensation in your body when you think about your emotions does it make you feel something like that's that's what I'm asking I'm asking this question because it's something that I didn't have that question posed to me and so I never had the opportunity to even get to that realm of thought of feeling Excuse me, I got a burp. 
So when you think about your emotions, how does that make you feel? Now I'm going to ask you a deeper question is why do you think it makes you feel that way? I want to encourage you, don't don't allow I don't know to be your answer. Maybe pause this so you can really think about it. Or at least mark the timestamp so you can come back and, and really ponder this question. Because I think this is going to elevate our thinking. Our emotions are a gift. The things we feel are a gift. Sometimes we feel them so strong, it's literally terrifying. Sometimes we may not feel anything and we're like, is something wrong with me? Right? Like, I remember, it took some time, it took some time. When my brother died on my 20th birthday, I didn't feel anything. And it made me wonder, was something wrong with me? And later, you know, I went through the grieving process. It wasn't that I was in denial, I just, I literally did not feel anything. So it's just that thought of like, dude, like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, are my emotions broken? Am I broken? Like, where's my, where's my warranty? I don't think I came with one. Like, I need to get replaced. Hold on to those thoughts. Because... When we really ask, why did I feel this or why didn't I feel this? It gives us insight to who we are. So we can ask the Lord, God, show me. The same prayer that David prayed, search my heart, O God, that I may be found blameless before you. It's the same question that we ask when we deal with our emotions. Search my heart, God, so that I may be blameless before you. Because just because you feel the emotion does not mean you get to do whatever you want. Feel it. Just because you're angry doesn't mean you get to be rude. Just because you're insecure does not mean you get to be a bully. Whether it's to yourself or other people. Whether you're happy doesn't mean you get to cross other people's boundaries because you feel good. So it's one of these things where it's like, well, how do I control my emotions? Mm. I'm glad you asked. See y'all. Fruit of the Spirit. Y'all already know. You already know where we're going. You already know where we're going. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay, so it's over here. Do, 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 do. Fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> 522. But the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, let's back up, actually. Thank you, God. Let's start at 16. Okay, actually. Thank you, Lord. Let's not do that. Let's start at verse 12. We're going to go verse 12 all the way to verse 24. Okay, that's 12 verses. It's going to be okay. Here we go. This is exciting. Would that those who are troubling you even mutilate themselves? For you were called to freedom. You were called to freedom. Brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, 
but through love serve one another. So just because you're free, don't go sin, but instead use that freedom to help someone else get free. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law is fulfilled in that. The whole law of Moses. Verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, be careful lest you be consumed by one another. Meaning, if you don't love one another and you take from someone else and you literally bite them and you eat them for your own satisfaction, for your own gain, you will literally eat each other to death. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of your flesh. Do what is right. So he highlighted, how do we do this? By loving your neighbor as yourself. This way, you won't, you won't sin. When you love, you won't sin. That's a word. Verse 17, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, meaning love yourself. Don't love other people, love yourself, which is what we hear a lot. And the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So it's literally, they're in opposition, so you won't do the things that you want to do. If you want to do what's right, the flesh will be like, no, you won't. If you want to sin, your spirit's going to be like, no, you won't. So you don't get to do what you please. So it's like, oh my God, what can I do? That's a great question. Here we go. Verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit... You're not under the law. So, wow. So he's right here in verse 14. The whole law is fulfilled in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then it goes, if you're led by the Spirit, you don't have to worry about the law of Moses. Because it's been fulfilled. Christ said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. The law still exists. And Paul goes on to say, hey, if you're holding yourself to the standard of the law, you are now responsible to fulfill the whole law. So instead, live by the Spirit. I'm freeing you with this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, out of the 632 laws that Moses gave and the other ones that we created for no reason, which are the most important? Jesus turned to them and he said, To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. Okay, y'all, here we go. We're wrapping this up. Coming to a close. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, meaning you can literally see them. Like, they're right in your face. You can't miss it. The deeds of the flesh are evident. It's immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, witchcraft, which is rebellion, which is sin. All sin is witchcraft. All sin is witchcraft. It's not a sin issue. It's a demon issue. All sin is witchcraft. 1 Samuel 15. Rebellion is witchcraft. Disobedience is idol worship. You can't get around it. Christians will try to tell you that's not the case because they don't want to believe that they're practicing witchcraft. 
All sin is witchcraft. Okay, let's, let's keep going. Jealousy, strife, enmity, which is like anger, wrath, outbursts of anger, arguing, dissension, like division, fractions, envying, being like drunkenness, not like having too much to drink, but a perpetual state of alcoholism, carousing, and things of the like. Which I have forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice these things, meaning like they do it on a consistent basis, it's not a one-time slip-up, but it's like, this is their lifestyle, it's part of their daily routines. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness self-control against these things there is no law because the things of the flesh there's laws against that today's culture and specifically to the Jewish culture there's literally laws against all these things every single one of these items there's a law for it but the fruit of the spirit there's no law against it you can do these things to to the fullest That's just so good. Verse 24. Now those who belong to Christ have been crucified in the flesh with its passions and its desires. So if you belong to Christ, you're dead to your flesh. Meaning you don't have to participate in in these sins anymore. You don't have to go with the doctrine of demons anymore. And emotions give you options. Are you going to exercise the fruit of the Spirit? Or are you going to exercise the fruit of the flesh? Because there is a difference. And depending on which one you choose will depend on the consequences that you face later. Either you're going to have peace about your decision or you're going to have to do damage control. Both decisions are hard. Thankfully, we get to choose our heart. We get to choose. God is so good. He gives us the opportunity to decide what we want to do. A lot of people like to argue about predestination this, predestination that. What does it matter? Who cares? It's like, well, it does matter. I care because that means I I was already laid out to do what I was going to do. And what's the point of doing anything? No, that's fair. I completely agree and understand. My rebuttal is you don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what you're going to do. So to you, you are making a decision. But we're not going to get into to that right now. Perhaps we can sit down and have another conversation about that. But I just want to continue to highlight and talk about what we just talked about. God feels emotion. He relates to your emotion. Jesus wept. That shows his humanity, his compassion, his heartbrokenness, his desire for his loved one to still be alive, his desire to not be hurt. He grieved. And then we touched in Psalm 30. God, you you change my inward, my mourning into dancing. God, you took off 
my sackcloth, the thing that I use to identify myself as grieving. And instead, you've given me new clothing of gladness. My soul will sing your praises forever. This is the beauty of our emotion that we get to be closer to our God. Because just as hunger signifies my body's hungry, our emotion signifies my spirit is hungry. Emotions are literally the spiritual way of telling you that you're hungry. So we get to go to our Father, just as Matthew 6 says. Seek first the kingdom and all its righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. So ask for Him. 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all your cares upon God, because when we don't cast our cares, we're being prideful. And just as it says in 1 Peter 5, God detests the proud. So humble yourself and tell God how you're feeling. Free yourself. Walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Exercise love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because now that you have a relationship with Christ, you don't have to struggle with these things. You're free to do them. You've died to the flesh already. That's what baptism is. So if you haven't gotten water baptized, or if it's been a really long time ago, I encourage you to do it. The Bible says to be baptized in water. Full full submergence. I love y'all. I'm proud of you. Man, I really hope that this conversation was as encouraging to you, your mind, your heart, and your spirit as it was to me. Even as, you know, because God is literally talking to the both of us during the course of this con- these conversations. And so it's just like, man, the fact that God would sit down with us and actually talk to us. I think that's just so beautiful. As I shared, I pray for you guys all the time. All the time. I have you in my notebook. You know, I pray before each each time we meet up. And I pray when we start. I pray when we end. It's saturated in prayer. So I hope you know and believe that somebody's praying for you. I love y'all. Man. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to share some things with you, okay? Let's pray. God, thank you for my friend. Thank you for the emotions that you blessed him with, God, just as you highlighted to us in John chapter 11, excuse me, John chapter 10, that you care about us, that you you wept. God, thank you just like in Psalm chapter 30. God, that you turn our mourning into dancing, God. You take the clothes that we've clothed ourselves to grieve, and instead you clothed us in righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Our soul sings thanks to you forever. Bless my friend as they continue their day. Bless their week, their endeavors. Bless their job, their relationships. Bless them, God, with the clarity on how to bring 
their emotions to you. Bless them with the self-awareness that they can recognize how they're feeling. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, I love y'all. I say it a lot because I mean it a lot. The thing I want to share with you is that our Patreon is now live. So you can join our community for free, right? You just join it for free. There's things for you there. And if you desire to support, we have our three tiers. We have the $5, the $10, and the $20. Regardless of which tier you select, you get the same things, right? So our free community and our supporters, there is a difference there. Those that pay do get a little bit more. But when you start paying and you're supporting the vision, you're supporting the ministry, because our mission here, we exist to walk alongside our brothers and sisters, teaching and encouraging them in the ways of Jesus Christ so they can go do the same. That's why we're here. So when you're supporting, right, because we pay for things all the time. This is literally like a cup of coffee per month. So with that, you get the vlogs, you get pictures, you get early release of, of the music that we put out. You get to see what goes on. You have a community that's praying for you regardless if you pay or not. But thank you for checking out the Patreon. The link is in the description. I love you guys. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. I'm so excited to see you. Take care. Peace.